0: Um, So, uh, I I do want to introduce our friends. We have amazing friends with us today, Uh, Chris and Cheryl Smith and their sons. And um, we see in Scripture that every New Testament church was related to an apostolic team. There wasn't a single church that was just a dangling participle. There wasn't a single church that was disconnected. They were all related to a team. So that team, we're familiar with those names, Paul and Barnabas and John Mark. and, And so that team would... They would check on the church. They would check on the elders of the church. They would write letters so that the church was strengthened and sustained. We see that in scripture. So we also are connected with an apostolic team. And for us, that apostolic team is New Covenant Ministries International. And Chris and Cheryl are a part of that team. They're a part of that apostolic team. Tyron Daniel, who was here uh, four weeks ago and ministered, Tyron leads that team, um, but we, we see in Scripture that it's godly and right and beneficial to be connected with an apostolic prophetic team. And so we just follow what we see in God's Word. And so what we do is we invite them to come in, to, to encourage and strengthen and to bring outside perspective and objectivity and teaching and, and even like filling in where our eldership team might not have strengths. And it just works wonderfully together. And the result is a church that is equipped and edified and encouraged. So I just want to kind of shed light on that because that's why we do what we do. You know, we can't just be flippant about it. This is, we see it in scripture, we do it, and there's huge benefits. So um, that's what we've done today. We've invited Chris and Cheryl to come, uh, and the results will be a strengthened and encouraged church. So can we just welcome uh, Chris and Cheryl. It's so wonderful to have you guys with us.
1: Thanks, but maybe do you want to say anything? Just wave. That's it. All right. Just smile and wave. Well, I thought it was high enough, but it still feels. That's all right. I'll just stand back from it, and then I can. No, it's fine. You can see my face. I can't hide behind it. That's all right. Well, it's great to be with you this morning. Uh, it truly, is you know, uh, so many things in my mind running through as this morning, just trying to get a hold of what God wants to do. You come prepared, and then God says, "Good job. Now do what I have for you." So you just, all right, all right, God, we'll do your will. But um, my wife and I and my sons, we uh, live in Westminster, uh, not too far from here. And I've spent the past couple of days moving down to Highlands Ranch. Uh, God has just led our hearts and opened a door for us to, to move and to begin to be part of a church plant there. Uh, we have, yeah, we're excited. Um, if any of you know that area, there are tens of thousands of homes and people being moved in. And, uh, That's not the reason you go, but what that means is there's people there that don't know Christ. There's people there that need to hear about Jesus. And that's why churches need to be planted in every nation and in every language. Not so we can have church, but so that the gospel can get to every person, so that Jesus can return for us. And so for us, we're excited about it. I mean, the home uh, was a door that God opened, truly. Uh, Every house we tried to get, people outbid us by way too much. And we just had to walk away and say, "We, we can't jump into that craziness. And then God opened a door for a house, keep the the story short, that uh, basically we got for a ridiculous amount and uh, everything from inspections. We asked for stuff to get done and they did it. And if you know anything about the market, they don't do anything for you and you pay way too much. We paid a crazy amount and they did everything we asked. So we were just amazed. And then one last thing, and my wife wanted me to share it. I think it's helpful. Our landlord we've had for a few years since we've been here is just an amazing family and one of our prayers was, "Lord, we're still in a lease till June. You've given us this house. We moved in, got our keys this Friday, January 7th, and uh, we still have a lease, and we can't afford both. So please bring them a tenant just to bless them and to release us. And after I told him we had the house, the date was secure. He says, "I didn't want to tell you this, but my parents live in Lafayette, they lost everything in the fire, and you guys moving allows me to put a roof over their heads. And so you so it's just the nature of the God we serve. It is worthy of being applauded because He's done it. And that's the way God works. And sometimes you, you just have to follow without knowing, without understanding, without having the whole story, but just say, okay God, I'll go with you. And it's not that God burned their house down or delighted in it. He just made a way for us to make a way for them. And it gave me an opportunity to minister to our landlords who don't yet know Christ about the goodness of God. And so, friends, be encouraged. God is in everything. He is a part of everything that we let Him into. We can live our life apart from Him, but Jesus died so we didn't have to, so we could walk with Him. Amen? And so, again, um, it is a, a privilege to be here, and I tell Mark all the time, every time I drive to Impact Rock, every time I think about you guys and pray for you guys, I'm just struck by the strategic nature of God putting this church here when He did. Last time I was here ministering with you guys, you were in a different facility. You were in kind of downtown, old town uh, Erie as it was just kind of being birthed. I mean, I drove here honestly then going, Where is this place? There's nothing here. And poof, suddenly there was a, a building, and that's where you guys met. And a building that another church owned, and you met on a, was it a Saturday night, I think? Yeah. Um, And it it was great. It was great to be there. But I just felt like, God, what are you going to do? Now every time I drive here with the thousands of homes, people going in, friends, God has placed this church in this region for this season to bring the Gospel to reach these people. You're not here so you can just have church. You're not here just so you can have the convenience of having a church near your house. You're here because God has a purpose for this city and the people that He's brought around you. Just to forewarn you, I'm very intense. So I'm not angry. Don't get nervous. I'll try and remember to smile now and then so that you can just breathe. But uh, I have been told that sometimes when I'm done, people leave with their hair back and their eyes wide open. I'll apologize in advance. But um, jump with me if you would. It wasn't where I was going to start, but I feel like God wants to do this. Psalm 33. Father, thank You again for the privilege to be together in Your presence with Your people. Father, enlarge our hearts today. Let us not come in with with the limits that we can so often put on You. Let us be open to Your Word, to Your presence, to Your power, so that we leave here changed and we go change the world outside of here. In Jesus' name. Psalm 33, verse 5. Sorry, verse 6. I just feel like God this morning wants to remind us of who He is. We asked this morning for Him to come. We welcomed His presence. We talked around the Holy Spirit. But we have to be reminded constantly of who He is because the world we're in tries to reduce God and enlarge everything else. And the thing that worship is meant to do for us is to help us increase our view of Him and reduce the weight of everything else. That's part of what these times of worship and celebration are intended for. Yes, it's songs and yes, it can be ones we like or don't like. But if He isn't made bigger and our problems in the world around us put into its rightful place, then we've missed the heart of worship. And it says in here, it says, The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the Word and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of Him. For when He spoke, the world began. It appeared at His command. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. Jumping to verse 13, The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From His throne He observes all who live on earth. He made their hearts so He understands everything they do. The best equipped army cannot save a king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your warhorse to give you victory, for in all its strength it cannot save you. But the Lord watches over those who fear Him. Those who rely on His unfailing love, He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. Why did I read that? Well, I felt like we need to be constantly challenged with the bigness of this God that we serve. For the picture I got this morning with many of the words and the requests of, of God come, was we come with a God-shaped jar. And it's built around our understanding and our experiences and our comfort with Him. And so we pray, God, pour out, pour out Your presence. And we're basically asking Him, Lord, pour out what I've got room for in my little God-shaped jar. And I feel like this morning, we're to take that jar and smash that thing. Don't put God inside something you can contain. Because if we can contain God, He's not God. Let God be God. If you want God to pour out His Spirit, get ready for stuff that's uncomfortable, abnormal, out of the ordinary, things you've never experienced, because no matter how far we go with God in this life, we will never contain Him. And that's good news. Nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to be worried about. But it is something we've got to let go and let God break in upon us to allow God wants to do miracles. God wants to do the things we ask Him to do. But God wants to do it God's way and in God's timing and in God's magnitude. This city of Erie is meant to be reached with the power of God and His Gospel. But if we keep Him in a container, He will never be able to do what He desires to do through us. And the good news this morning is there is so much more that He has for us. Are you with me? If you're not, we're going there anyway, so I just thought I'd ask. And that is the title of what God gave me for this morning. I, a couple of months ago, when Mark asked for us to come, I felt like kind of the, the the sense of what God wanted to do is to give us give us a vision worth dying for. You know, we we want our young people to come with us into things, but they don't want to get into something that's the same old, same old. It doesn't mean we throw away the old. It just means we get a hold of what God has. God is organic. God is alive. God is real. He's not sitting in heaven waiting for us to die to get there. He's on the move. And He simply wants us to take our hand and run with Him. And so, I just believe this morning God wants to enlarge us, stir us, challenge us, and encourage us. So please hear what I share this morning, not as a rebuke in any way, shape, or form, but as an encouragement to just come with the Father. Take his hand and run. John 14.12 And there's much around this scripture. I'm not going to have time to go into each one I share. But I trust it will stir you up to go and look for yourself. Very truly I tell you, Jesus is speaking, Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. And again, there is much to that Scripture. But Jesus, after doing miracles, after saving people, raising people from the dead, doing all these incredible things, says, those who believe Me, whoever believes in Me. How many of you here are part of whoever? Just in case you don't know, it is you. Whoever's all of us no matter what you came from, no matter what God saved you out of, no matter how bad you were before Christ or good you think you are now, whoever believes in Me will not only do the things that I have done, but do even greater things. And we start to think of greater miracles and all that, but He's talking about miracles, yes, but reaching people, seeing people saved. There is no greater miracle on earth than to see a broken soul redeemed for all eternity. I stand before you not as one that grew up in the church, but one that grew up in the streets. With parents that left me and abandoned me when I was seven years old, I lived on my own. I haven't known this life until God by His grace saved me from the wretch that I was at the age of 20 years old. And because of His grace upon me, and because of what He saved me from, I know there is so much more that He saved me for, and saved you for, and saved us for. And so when Jesus says, you'll do greater things, friends, He means it. And as much as I love these times on a Sunday morning and I love these times together, Jesus didn't just die so we could have church. He didn't just die so we could have Sunday meetings. And these are essential for us to get our eyes on the right things. But what we do the other six and a half days a week is what Jesus is speaking into and what this is all about. When you go to work and when you go to your neighborhood, and when you go to school and when you go to the store, those times out there are when we walk in the greater things of God. Don't save it for Sunday morning. If you prophesy here, awesome. Do it out there. If God's stirring you to share the word and do those things, it's great to do here. This is the training ground, the learning ground, the safe place. But it's out there that God wants us to walk in greater things. Jesus went and turned the water into wine for a bunch of unsaved people. Jesus was caught sitting at the table with sinners and tax collectors, those despised by the religious, and He brought them to Him. Jesus healed the leper that the religious wouldn't touch. What Jesus did, He did out there. Less in the meetings here. And again, I want to balance this. This is not saying don't come to Sundays. This is our gathering time to rally, to get going where we're going. The elders direct you and equip you. But what do we do with it the rest of the week? And the good news is Jesus Christ, Christianity, isn't a Sunday morning thing. It is a lifestyle that we get to live. You with me? So your faces are already starting to look plastered, so I must be headed in the right direction. Alright, I, I need to get to my actual notes. I just want to share a couple of things of God's intention for us. Because if we don't understand what God intended, we can kind of wander around and like, what is this life about? So, Jeremiah chapter 1. He says to Jeremiah, the the nervous, weeping prophet as he becomes to be known, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You see, God's intention for every human being that has ever lived and will ever live is that we were created by Him, for Him, and for His purposes. There is a world out there, there is a devil out there that is trying to rob us of our identity, our very reason for existing. But we need to be reminded that you and I and all the unsaved and the saved out there were made by God, for God, knit together in our mother's womb. When someone comes to Jesus, it isn't God going, oh, okay, what do I do with this one? Now I'll figure out something for them. No, when you come to Christ, you come to discover God made me originally in the womb, no matter whose womb I was born in, no matter what family I was raised in, no matter whether I was raised on the streets or raised in a home, I'm still made by God, for God, to change this world. Jeremiah was a timid, nervous guy. And God was encouraging him and challenging him. And so whether you are a a lion let out of a cage or you're a timid mouse, understand God made you, God made me, God made all of us with purpose and intention. Don't let this world rob you of the purposes of God. But realize every day you get up, God made me. Every time you look in the mirror and you think, I'm not enough, I'm not this, I'm not that, wrong answer. God looks at you and says, no, I made you. I made you in my image. I made you for my purposes and I am with you always. Why would we settle for a life that the world decides when God has made us for greater things? And I want to encourage all of us, not just younger generations, all of us, there is more, there is more, there is more that God has made you and I to do and to walk in and to live for than the things we live for now. Even if they're great, there's more. Amen? God's intention for us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is a verse often referred to as the priesthood of all believers. But you, speaking of you and I, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Friends, there aren't special people in the church. Special people. Mark is not special over you or over me or over anybody else. God, Mark is simply walking in the call he has in this togetherness, in this body. But what that means is each and every one of us has a purpose and a reason we're here. Part of the reason for the ineffectiveness of the church over time has been that we have had special people on the stage and less special people in chairs. That's not biblical. Biblically, we are a priesthood of believers. Biblically, we are called together for purpose and to change the world that's around us. Biblically, we need each other to get the job done. Mark and the eldership team cannot do what God has called Impact Rock to do on their own because they are not the priesthood of all believers. They are part of it. And the joy we have is you coming here today and you coming on these times as you have a part to play in all of this. And I don't, don't let it ever be reduced to, well, I, I give. Cool. That's part of your role as a, a walking with God. But to be a priest, there's a gift that God has put within each and every one of us. That if we will learn to walk in it together, we become more effective. Because if you've got a priesthood of six people as an eldership, it's never going to be as effective as a priesthood of 200 people walking together. Men, women, and children walking in their gifts. If it makes you nervous, good. If it makes you excited, even better. Is it beyond us? You bet. But we don't have to do it alone. Is it bigger than you? Is it miraculous? Is it beyond what your mind can wrap around? Absolutely. If it's God, it better be. He is supernatural. There's nothing natural meant to be about Christianity other than we take our natural gifts and let His supernatural power take it to the level He desires. Oh, there is so much in these. Hopefully it will make you hungry and you go dig in. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. I should have forewarned you, we will do a bit of jumping. That's the Scriptures behind us. Jesus says, I'm going to send to you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Jesus is saying to His disciples, to His people, I'm, when I go, when I am resurrected, when I stand with the Father, I'm going to send my Spirit. Because Jesus in His manhood, His humanity, could not be in more, more than one place at a time. Doing miracles, doing amazing works. But as He rose and went to heaven and sent Himself by His Spirit, the Spirit of the Holy Spirit is God, by the way. Not God's sidekick, not God's buddy. He is God. But in the form, and God represents Himself as Father and His Son and His Holy Spirit. And again, there's a lot of doctrinal things. I'll leave that to you. But the Holy Spirit is God. And when Jesus rose into heaven, the Spirit of God was sent to break in upon those who know Him and break in upon mankind. We are to be clothed with power from on high. And for some reason, we read the book of Acts, we think about it, we say, God, we want to be like that. Just take off. The latch to the door that allows the Holy Spirit, God Himself, to be God among us. What do we expect when we gather on a Sunday morning? Do you expect the same thing every single week? Or do you understand that the power of God is here upon us, among us, clothed on each and every one of us? If we see somebody who prophesies, you think, oh, that's great. Guess what? The same Spirit that's in them is in you. The same Spirit that was in Jesus and raised Him from the dead is in you and me. Why do we settle for an average and ordinary Christianity? Why do we settle for a seat on a Sunday when we've been empowered by God Himself to do something outside of ourselves? Something beyond our ability that glorifies Him and lets God be God because we are clothed with power from on high. Because you see, the world out there needs to see and know this great God that has saved us because He came for them too. And it's not that we run around doing sideshow acts. It's just that when we share our faith, Jesus has saved me, all these things, and then we can pray for the sick and see them healed. We can pray for those with cancer and see them healed. We can pray for broken marriages and see them mended. We can pray for people whose lives have been torn apart and God heals and mends them together by His power. It brings confirmation to the Gospel that we're meant to preach. And again, if we leave it up to the select few... Not God selects you. That's our mindset. We limit the great things that God wants to do. Doing okay, babe. I feel like I'm scaring people. Hopefully, in a, hopefully in a good way. That's all I know. Sorry, I was going to apologize again, but I can't. It's just who He's made me. First Corinthians fourteen twenty-six. I may never get to my actual points, but at least we're getting somewhere. First Corinthians fourteen twenty-six. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. And this is again alluding to what I've been talking about, sharing with us. Friends, when we come together for these times, when you come together for your prayer meetings, for your home groups, whatever you do together as a church, God's intention is that all of us come ready. This morning, God's intention. This is not a guilt trip. This is just a reminder and an encouragement for the next time if you didn't walk in it yet, or there's more. When we come together on these times, don't come and leave it up to the band to bring you into worship. Don't come on these mornings and leave it up to Mark or whoever's preaching to bring the Word of God. Don't leave it to the faithful few who always come up and give a word to do that same thing. If we all come ready... Allowing God to use us, having prayed before church, having read the Bible before church, having worshiped before we gather as a church. What that means is all the people in this room <clears throat> come ready. This meeting is going to be a big, different meeting than it ever has been before. Mark and the guys are look, like, what do we do now? We've never seen this before. Good. Mess up their plan. Because God has a greater plan. God will give them the grace. He's anointed them for it. But He's also anointed you and I to come ready. If we all come ready, if we all come prayed up, if we all come already into worship, the team doesn't have to lead us through two songs and a couple of Scriptures just to get us into God's presence. They come and we're already worshiping in the seats. And they're like, well, we'll just join in with you. Because you see, that's God's intention for our gatherings. That's God's intentions for His people. Because those who are unsaved walk in and they can't escape Him. It's easy to escape the guy up here. You're in your chair. I finish up. Amen. Close my eyes. Pray and you're gone before I get to get to you. But when the priesthood of all believers is taking place, when everyone has come ready, you're the guy in the corner that sees the new guy running and you go find him in the parking lot and say, God's got this for you. I want to pray for you. I had the privilege when I was newly saved and wild and no one had taught me church that I saw a guy bail out of the meeting and I just felt like I needed to follow him. And I ran outside, found him in the parking lot, and he was cussing and angry and angry at God and angry at everything else. And by God's grace, I got to pray with him, share with him, encourage him, and lead him to Christ in that parking lot. And it's not a tribute to me. I was, if you have a rank in it, I was absolutely a rookie, no clue other than my testimony, and this is cool. Not very impressive. But God. Because I came with this sense of God wanted to use me. That guy is now married with three kids, still in ministry, still going strong. Haven't seen him in years, but I see, you know Facebook keeps you connected to whatever degree. But what a privilege I had because I came ready, unbeknownst, just ready, and God used me. Friends, all of us coming ready makes us the church. Makes us effective. Because guess what? If you come ready and you're in the meeting, I didn't get to use what you put in me, God. It's like, well, good. Go out there, and you'll be ready to use it there. God's intention. What are we going to do with it? All right. I'm going to be. I don't think I can go any faster. So, um, I'll just I'll share with you what I feel God has. You know, a faith that began with God leaving heaven. Coming to an imperfect world amongst sin-filled people. Completely foreign to Him in His perfect righteousness. Living amongst us, enduring pain and struggle, facing temptations that we face. All of that. Dying on a cross, not because the Romans nailed Him up there, not because they forced Him, but because He chose to take death upon Himself. To take the sin of all mankind. To have the Father in Heaven look away from the Son for the first time in all of eternity. Die upon a cross for us. Be buried and dead. And the enemy think that he won. And three days later, Jesus rises from the dead again to declare victory over sin, victory over death, and salvation for all mankind. And not only that, He came back in His resurrected form to prove to these guys, I am who I said I am. And I'm going to send Myself in My Spirit upon all of you so that the earth can experience and walk in the power of God. A faith that began like that was never meant to be boring, religious, dead, mom and dad stuff, my stuff, that weird guy's stuff. No, it is meant for all of us to go and to change this world and to believe for and walk in more than we ever have. So friends, let that stir within us. I'm just going to give us some points of how do we begin to take those steps, that journey. Because I can stir us up all day, but we need to have stuff to put our feet to. Things to take a hold of. You with me? Alright. I think I already asked you that and I already threw you in. And I won't read the whole thing, but Isaiah 60 just reminds us, Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over people. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. How do we do it? Well, number one, through a covenant with Christ. And I have alliterated this. I think it is a disease I caught from my brother-in-law Tyron. Alliteration is his thing. So I figured, well, it's easy to remember. Matthew 22.37 Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Because you see, if you place Jesus first, and not like on a shelf, Not with everything else, but He becomes your greatest hunger, your greatest delight, your greatest desire. And you spend time with Him. Then ordinary and average Christianity will not suffice. Going to church and sitting in a chair will not last. It won't work for you. Singing simple songs about this big God and having no change in your heart and no real faith for it will not satisfy. You cannot spend time with God in a dedicated way and walk away like, eh, But as you make a covenant that I am with you, Lord, and you are in me, and I will walk with you, and I will pray, and I will hear you, and when I'm in school, and I'm sitting there, and you touch me, you speak to that through me for that kid in front of me, you say for me to go pray, or I'm at work, and you say go pray for that person, you find there's a walking with him, there's a greater level of Christianity that is intended for us all. But it doesn't begin with meetings and it doesn't begin with your best intentions. It begins with your relationship with Christ. If there's anything you take away from this time this morning, there is more and it is found in your walk with Him. There are miracles to take place. There are lives to be changed. There are dead people to be raised. Anyone here ever raised anybody from the dead yet? Not yet. And it's not us. Obviously, it's the power of God. So many stories that come up, but one that always blows my mind. A friend in South Africa, uh, about 15 years ago, someone had died in the church and God just kept saying to him, you need to go pray for them, you need to go pray for them. Well, by the time he got up the courage, the person was in the morgue. And so he goes to the morgue and says, I am here, part of the church, <laughs> to pray for the dead person you have in a locker. Imagine that conversation. Somehow, the door opens, he's able to go in there. And again, I've, I know there's movies, I know there's all this. so I'm speaking of what took place. I wasn't there, but this is what's told me by people that I absolutely trust. He went in, they rolled out the locker, started to pray for the person that he came to pray for, and other dead people in the room, five of them, got up and walked, it was eight, sorry, walked out of that morgue. And not the person he prayed for. Wow. Yeah. And again, I know there's movies. I know all that stuff pulls away. But we serve the living God. He's just looking for a people to trust Him and obey Him. But you can't do that when you're distant. You can't do that when your relationship with Jesus consists of this. Covenant with Christ is where we begin, where we end, and where we walk into the greater things. Friends, and your relationship with God can't be based on your spouse, your parents, your pastor, anyone else. It's you and Him. It's what Jesus died for. Said so you and I could be brought back to our Creator. Number two, that was number one, covenant with Christ. Number two, care for others. And Jesus goes on in that same Scripture and says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In order to experience and walk in the more of our faith, the increase, the, the measures of what God wants to do, we have to care for someone and others more than we do ourselves. Not just as we do for ourselves, but more than ourselves. You've been given an opportunity and a heartbreaking one of what's taken place in the cities nearby, of the houses that have been lost, and by God's grace, no lives lost. But what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are we going to be moved as the church to care for people? Are we going to throw money at it? And there's nothing wrong with giving generously. But there's got to be more to it than that. Are you praying? Are you looking for opportunities to come around those families and to share the hope of Christ when all the things they hoped in are gone? Because if you don't know Jesus, your house, your home, your community, your job, that's your identity. That's all you have. Our government is a mess. The finances of our nation are a mess. Sure, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. So who's going to bring the hope that doesn't change, the one that never moves, the one that is the anchor, the rock of our foundation? Who's going to bring that? If we don't care for others, no one will. But as we care for others, the more that God has, you will begin to see. God has given you, Impact Rock, all these thousands of people moving into your region. God has given given you to them to reach them with this Gospel, to bring the hope of Christ. But let the care for them break in upon us. And am I guilty of times of being inward and focusing on my wife and my boys because it's... Yes, absolutely. But I have to repent of that pretty regularly because it's easy to do. I love my wife. I love my boys. I love the church we're in. I love the church we're getting to. to all that stuff's exciting, but love Him with all my heart. Love my neighbor as myself. Those two steps are the most instrumental in walking in the more that God has. God will not entrust us with more stuff and more things if it's all about us. If this is your world, we're missing the purposes of God. Number three. We have to have convictions for the advancement of the kingdom. I'll explain in a second. Matthew 6.33 And it's when Jesus is talking about don't worry, you know, there's enough to worry about, and don't worry about clothes and all those things, and we get consumed. I got to pay the bills. I got to get clothes. I got to do this. What are they wearing? I mean, all that stuff can come at us. But Jesus reminds. He says, "But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well." And it doesn't mean He's going to give you. Air Force Ones, it doesn't mean He's going to give you the newest Jordans. It doesn't mean those things are going to be what He gives. Some of you Look at me like, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's all right. Whatever your thing is, doesn't mean He's going to give you that. But it does mean He's going to give you everything you need. Everything you need to do what He's called you to do. But you have to seek first His kingdom. Your job. Did God place you there or did you choose it? Your house. Have you, have you chosen if you're going to buy a house? Did you buy the house because you asked God, where do you want me to be? We're not moving, we're not moving to Highlands Ranch because it's a nice place. It is. But that would be foolish. Because if we don't go where God leads us, then His provision, His grace, His purposes, they're not there. Your spouse, your future spouse, you, if you're married now, stay. I'm not saying that, just. But if you're, if, you're, if you're single and you just let that be a thing of prayer, not a thing of I want this. Because what this flesh wants sometimes will get somewhere near the right path but most of the times, totally off the rails. And then God's got to do a repair job that shouldn't have been necessary. Where you work, where you live, the decisions you make have to be founded in the conviction you have for the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Chris or the kingdom of you. That's a lordship thing. Savior, yes, but Lord. Oh, too many things here, Mark. I'm leaving a... Number four, your calling. Make your calling and election sure. Second Peter 1.10 Friends, all of us, by God's design, are called by God. Just not to the same thing. Don't aspire to be a preacher if that's not what he's called you to. But if it is, go for it. There are some incredible businessmen and women that are needed called to the business realm to take the Gospel to places the preacher can't go. Students. it does not matter when you grow up, you'll be. No, you're called to be a student right now where you are ministering the Gospel to the people that we can't reach. We can feel like, oh, if I only had more time for the ministry. Every day you have, every moment, you, you go to the store, you go to work, you go to the neighborhood. All of that is your ministry field. Holding a microphone and preaching is great, but if it's not your call, put down the microphone and go do what you're called to do. Because as each of us walk in our calling, we together reach the places that God has placed us and reach the nations. used to have an incredible businessman in the church we led in California, traveling to China, traveling to um, uh, South America. He was working with Billabong, Quicksilver, on T-shirts and that type of a thing. Just multi-million dollar deals every time he'd come back. And he would talk about it like it was like, yeah, yeah, a couple million dollar deal here and there. But I'm sorry I couldn't be at church. Sorry I couldn't be there Sunday. And after a couple of times of his saying that, I said, listen, don't apologize for doing what God's called you to do. But understand, I know your heart is here and when you're in town, you're here. I get it. But your job is to go and do what God's called you to do, which now is going to the nations, ministering, sitting in front of world leaders, people with big bucks that I'll never sit in front of. So my job for him was to release him from the the church bondage that often we put on ourselves. Not that it wasn't important, and he understood the importance, but he also understood he had a calling outside of the walls of our meetings. Whatever your calling is, make it sure. And Again, there's much to that Scripture time with god get with your elders have them pray and stand with you in it so that you have a grasp on it but in order to walk in the more of god we've got to take a hold of that calling i've got to fly through these number five consider what jesus has done hebrews 12 is a key one keep your eyes on him consider him who endured so much opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart Serving God is the most satisfying and wonderful thing ever. It is also can be one of the most exhausting things because you give everything you have. But if you keep your eyes upon Him, you don't go weary. If you keep your eyes and remember, consider what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus can do through us and what Jesus has done for those who don't yet know of Him. You will find the strength to carry on at times when you're exhausted. Number six, cooperation. And I used this reference before and I realized not everyone has a clue what this reference is, but there are no lone rangers in the kingdom. The term is too old, not me. Lone rangers simply means God did not call us to go it alone. Not as a church, not as individuals. First of all, the Holy Spirit. We are meant to do everything with Him, in Him, and by His power. That means out there you hear from the Holy Spirit. That means out there He's pouring out His Spirit. That means, again, as you're going through the grocery aisles, putting your stuff in a cart, it's with the Holy Spirit. Not because He has nothing better to do. Not because He needs groceries. But because He's put you in the city you're in, in the store you shop, around the people you're around, for a purpose. And so the cooperating with Him, you'll go through the grocery aisle, and while you're grabbing your ketchup and mustard, suddenly God says, that person over there, they're hurting and they need to hear from Me. And you see, as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, we'll find that He'll use us in the most odd and strange of times in our thinking. But because we're not going it alone and I've got my ministry thing when I choose to, but I'm cooperating with Him, I hear, and I'm led by His Spirit. second part of that is we are not on our own. We are in cooperation with the church, each other, that thing of the priesthood of all believers. Everyone in this room should matter to you. Not because they're in your church, but because they're part of the body God has knit you together. To ignore one another is like your hand is bleeding and falling off. You're like, oh, I don't need that. Care for one another because you're in this together. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. And as we bond together like that, in essence like those in the trenches together, it knits us together in a deeper way and we carry this forever. And so when God calls some of you to other nations and other places, it's not like, oh, well, they're gone. No, there's there's an inheritance wherever God leads them that's for you and for them and we do this together. That's the way we reach the nations. That's the way we reach our neighbors. In cooperation with your leaders. Guys, God didn't give you elders so you have people who can preach and take care of the administration of the church. That's a side note to what their job is. Their job is to train and to equip and to, to bring us all through to maturity together. So if you haven't come to your elders yet and submitted your life, do so. It doesn't mean they dictate what you do. They don't tell you what to do. But God has given you people who are anointed by Him to guide you in your decisions. Don't buy a house. Don't get a job. Don't do big decisions, especially without getting some perspective. They don't have the right to tell you what to do. But they have been given the the gifting to be able to say, we've been praying into this and this is going to be great or maybe not that way or did you look at it like this? Your marriage, your finances, your home, your kids. They don't have all the answers. God does. And together, we walk this thing out. Is there much to that? Again, I'm opening up all sorts of stuff for you, Mark. I'll run out the door and they can chase you down. And Mark mentioned with the team, the church cooperates with an apostolic team. That outside perspective that helps keep our eyes on the big picture so we don't become inward. Three more quickens. Number seven, challenge yourself to more. Please don't ever settle for ordinary and average Christianity. Jesus didn't die for that. To be honest, I'll get in trouble for this. He didn't die for this today. This is part of it, but there's more. What I I trust for us is every time, next week when you come or next meeting you have here, come with a greater anticipation. Come with a greater sense of what He's got. Don't settle. And it doesn't mean, Mark, you're not doing enough. That's not what I'm saying. It means we look at each of ourselves and say, God, I want to do more of what you have. I want to walk in more of what you have. I want to see each of these seats filled. Not because we need butts in seats, because people need to know Jesus. And if I need to give up my seat so someone else can sit, awesome. Don't settle for what's here. Don't settle for just the faces you see. Love the faces you see and get together and figure out how are we going to go reach more people? How are we going to outgrow this building? Because God doesn't dwell in buildings. Impact Rock is not a building on a corner in Erie. Impact Rock is you who just happened to meet in this place. Don't settle. Don't settle. And if you're unsettled in your Christianity you think, gosh, there's got to be more to this, there is. And you don't have all the answers and neither do I, but He does. 50,000 small sermons. Philippians 3.12, that's the Scripture to refer to. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Number eight, and you may already think this about me, but you do have to be a little crazy. Crazy to believe and walk in all that God says. Think about Peter standing in a boat as Jesus is walking on the water. Already a weird enough situation. But then he bids him to come. And Peter steps out of a boat on water that he is a fisherman. Guys, he knows what happens when you go into water. You go. Yet he says, okay, if it's you, Lord, I'll go. We have to be a little crazy in the world's eyes to walk on what God says. We have to be crazy to put our hands on a sick person when the doctors say there is no hope expecting cancers to fall off and seeing it happen. Let's be a little crazy in the right sense. Last one, courage. Courageous. It's time for us to be bold and courageous. You see, they looked at Peter and they looked at John and they they thought of them, these are unschooled, ordinary men. But what they did recognize is they had been with Jesus. And they spoke with courage. They spoke with boldness. Be courageous enough to take off religion, to take off what you're comfortable with, to take off what you know, to take off what you've walked in, to take off, well, this is all I have. That's okay. He's bigger. It's time for us to be the courageous people we're called to be. Because God has so much more in store. Amen? Amen. I'm I'm done. You want me to land us? Let's stand together. I do just want to speak something of you at a quick prayer. and Then I'll hand over to Mark if that's cool. Father, thank You so much that we will never be able to encapsulate or contain You. You're always bigger. And our prayer this morning as we hear with Your intentions and Your purposes is that again, You would enlarge every one of us. Lord, I pray take away anything of me that is offended or shut off. Let this be a deposit of You, Holy Spirit. Change the expectations of every one of us, including me. Change the the, the willingness to be used by you. Change the, the willingness to just step out into things that seem nuts. But you're in it. So that this world can know of Jesus and see your great love for them. Just put your hands, if you don't mind, just to receive. Isaiah 61, Jesus spoke this of Himself. And as we are followers of Him, I believe He's speaking it over us. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you. Because the Lord has anointed you to preach good news to the poor. To proclaim freedom for the captives. To mend the broken hearted. To set the captives free. To help people exchange beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy, gladness, instead of a spirit of despair. They that you reach will be called oaks of righteousness. For the display of God's splendor. Lord, send us forward for all that you have. Every day, every moment as we walk with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.